I got double done by technology this week. Double oh, no. done. So the one um, two, the one two. I was on a call, and my doorbell went off. So I got it. We got a ring doorbell to try and have like a screening process for people coming to the door, right? Because everyone's had that thing where I haven't got one of those little peepholes. Have you got a peephole? No. No. So precise, but you can see from where you're sat though, can't you? Who it is. Yeah. So I can knock on the window and say, I don't want I any of your I suppose by the time protein bars. They're at the door. They know you've seen them. So it's kind of hard to, it's like rude to ignore them. But anyway, so I have this screening so that I don't have to like open the door and then be like, hi, can I just, you're like, you got to like wait for them to finish what they're saying and shut the door on them. So I, I'm on the call, ring doorbell goes off, check who it is. It's this old guy standing there, not like a delivery driver. I was like, I'll just leave it. I'm not interested. Um, and then he kept doing it, kept ringing the doorbell. I was like, hmm, that's odd. You'll get the hint. He didn't get the hint, kept ringing the doorbell. And then he like, like stood back and started like looking up in the windows and started like, and I was like, what is this guy doing? Like, this is such a weird behavior. And if, like 10 minutes later, he left. I was like, that's really strange. Finished the call, went and had some lunch. Cleaner arrived, let her in. And as I was letting her in, she was like, Johnny, do you know your car boot's open? Oh. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets worse. Because that morning, I'd played golf. Oh. So I'd like left, played golf super early. Got back, I imagine still golf clubs are expensive, really expensive. So like, I'm still, even when I get home, it's like just before nine o'clock, I'm still like a bit bleary eyed. I like had to get up earlier than normal. So I'm sort of like going in the house and just on autopilot, start work, forget about it. Hours later, like three or four hours later, I get told that my boots been open the whole time and golf clubs just on show to the street. And the reason it had happened is there's a there's a button on my car keys. I don't even know why it's there, but there's a button on my car keys that if you press it twice, it opens the boot. <laughs> what, as in, it which doesn't is like, like unkink the boot, it like opens it fully. It like fully, yeah, fully opens it, yeah. And I'm, well, uh, yeah. So I'm just like, so firstly, the ring doorbell going off made Dexter bark because now Dexter's trained himself that even when my phone buzzes for just a notification, he assumes it's a doorbell and barks. So I interrupted the call and kept interrupting the call over and over again. And I just got like unreasonably annoyed with this guy because I'm like, just leave me alone, man. Like, I don't want to open the door. But all this guy was doing was just trying to let me know my boot was open. Trying to save your golf clubs. Bless him. Yeah. But oh, so like, so I walk around and I walk around. I'm like waiting to look in the back of my boot and I'm waiting to just see no golf clubs there. You're waiting for like the the empty boot, but like, like they were there and like the, the wave of relief. Oh. Like shut the boot. It was awful. It was awful. But all those things are designed to be convenient. Like the button on the key is designed to help. I'm not sure what for. Like I don't ever really have a time where I can't open the boot myself. And the ring doorbell is useful, but like it kind of meant that. So had had I not had the ring doorbell, I'd have gone and opened the door, and the guy would be like. Hi, mate. Sorry, boot's open. Just letting you know. Thanks very much. Shut the boot. No problems. So that was my, uh, what day was it? Wednesday. Double duster. Yeah. The double duster. It reminds me of the Darren Brown 
experiment where he puts a wallet on a busy street, city street with loads of shops and stuff, and just draws a circle around it in chalk, and no one touches it. Big arrow. Mm. There's a similar so, thing with like a Roll, Rolls Royce goes and parks in like a council estate and leaves a door open, and no one touches it. Yeah, you'd be it. like, I'm not touching that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, my friend, is a trap. <laughs> <laughs> What were you about to say? So I'm... So, yeah, the, well, that's it. It's the... This is too obvious. So maybe golf clubs on oh, the show. People, yeah. There's a, there's a booby trap here. Speaking of booby traps, we want to talk to you today about the failure uniform. This is where people who we speak to who say that they're going to make loads of changes and build an online fitness business. And then we see them a year on nothing's changed. They've made no progress because every day they've been waking up and they put on the loser trousers and the blunder hat and the balls up jacket. And they, you know, it's the full failure uniform. And then they get up and go about their day. And what it is, is it's, it's a psychological hang up at the end of the day. It's, it's not, it's never a, um, a case of, talent or ability or anything it's it comes before all of that and it's mm. so consistent that with you end up seeing these archetypes that emerge as a result of people getting in their own way and i just think it's worth highlighting them because if you notice any of this stuff in yourself i guarantee it is the thing that is in the way between you doing what you're doing now and becoming a successful online fitness coach we, the, the term failure uniforms from a pro, one of our like mentoring programs we've been through where I think it was like the first module and the coach was just like, this is of all the people I've worked with, the following things make you fail. And it was very just in your face straight away. And the reason he's doing that is I, I think the, the problem with all this stuff is to an extent, if you have these biases and you behave like this, you probably don't see it in yourself. So the people listening who are doing all these things probably won't identify with them. It, this is really directed at the people who are maybe not in these traps yet. They maybe haven't had these failures yet and they're moving towards them and they don't realize it. And that when one of them starts happening, you can catch it and stop it. You and know, there's a, that looks a little bit um, like the loser trousers. <laughs> that's the, I've made a mess of this hat. I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll not put that on. There's a book by, or as a quote or a, this phrase by Charlie Buffett and Warren, uh, Charlie Buffett, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, who are decently successful billionaires. Um, and it's all I want to know is where I'm going to die. So I'll never go there. And what all he's trying to get across is if you are aware of the, the parameters of when something's going to go wrong or what happens when things go wrong, you can avoid that in advance. And that's, that's kind of like the benefiting from experience, right? If I knew where I was going to die, that exact location, and I just never went there, is it possible for me to die? Impossible. No one will ever know. That's, that's the secret to so, immortality. So if we describe the failure uniform to you and you never wear it, path to success. So here are some things to avoid. Often just for context, we take a certain number of um, slots in our calendar and leave them open for people to book in a call with us and discuss their current fitness business and whether the propane business program would be a good fit for 
um, applying the kind of the, the group recurring mid-ticket model to. But quite often, there's a pattern emerging of someone who has loads of stories around um, booking, and then at this at like half an hour before the booking, they're like, "Oh, I've got childcare, or I've got meetings coming up, or um, oh, I've got some kind of sickness that I've only just." It's only just appeared 10 minutes ago. I've got to bring this up. I've got to interrupt you. Somebody has just rescheduled the call. I'm going to say who it is, but the reason is childcare. Now, just because I know you just mentioned that it's just like literally as soon as I was navigating to the, to the notes for this podcast that came up, we, neither of us have kids. I'm sure having kids is a very difficult thing to, um, to deal with but ultimately like things happen in life like stuff gets gets in the way and as you say like all this all these things like sickness planning other things happening like if you make an appointment with like there are, an appo- there are appointments you would have made that you would never have cancelled so it's the it's kind of like how you wait and prioritize these things how you like view your calendar and view your time and the sort of, I'll do this tomorrow. I'll do this next week. I'll, I'll have this time next week where I'll be able to have a call. And I, suddenly I won't have any childcare and there's no risk. I'll be sick and there's no risk. I'll, any of these things will happen. It'll be fantastic. Then I'll do it then. In the magical land of the future. So yeah, mm. I can only assume that if that's how on a knife edge your, your week is right now, then when you're trying to run a business and deal with lots of client requests and everything else, that's it's not, it's not going to hold up like that, that rickety Mm. system that you've built your week on. I guess the lesson from that is if you're double booking everything, you need to get a hold of your calendar, your basic time management before you can layer more higher order executive function on top of that. (laughs) But also like every PT's experienced a client canceling last minute, right? Like everyone's experienced that everyone's experienced someone not turning up or canceling last minute and it's annoying it's really annoying and i do think there is an ex- there is a thing of like treat other people how you want how you would want to be treated in the same scenario so if someone had scheduled with you and then 50 minutes prior to that they rescheduled like what does that say about that person to you like how do you feel about that person if you're wanting to start like a business relationship with someone like a mentoring relationship it's not the best beginning and it's not a great frame of mind to be in when you have to build and progress a business like this because on monday next week next month next year you'll be trying to grow the business and stuff will come up at last minute and you're going to have to deal with it so if you can't have the scheduled conversation like the thing that yesterday was a priority for right now if that's suddenly changed and there are things like life and death situations and and other that that it's this is not the case for but stuff that existed yesterday and existed last week and will exist next week and you've just decided last minute to juggle things around that's the problem. Like it, it's not, it's not the fact that you need to do something else now. It's the fact that you just haven't got things together and ordered. And that's probably something you need to address first. Yeah. Of course, emergencies happen, but it's often someone who will see reschedule three times in a row because there's been a different emergency each time. And you think, well, what's mm. the probability of that happening repeatedly? Or it's something that um, oh, you know, you, you call them after the, you know, the call time that they booked and they're like, oh no, I'm, I'm dealing with a, a client or so, some, something that's planned and that's, that should have been in their schedule. You're like, well, 
you you booked this time so what's mm. the like you could have picked any other time because the other the other thing is like, people ask like why do you guys do calls for this some of it is a screening process right so if somebody if someone reschedules three times they it's a they've got a pretty low chance of succeeding with anything we give them realistically we actually don't allow it anymore we allow one reschedule yeah. and then it's sorry yeah. you know we'll, we'll send you the information by email but um we're going to assume that either you're not serious or that you're you haven't got your life together enough to be able to run an online fitness business sorry because yeah, <laughs> it's a it's an application like I know, I know everybody says that but it is an application so if if you book with us and then cancel um multiple times all that's really saying is like it's not the right time for you which is fine, but like, there's no point in wasting your time, wasting our time. So that's part of the reason. Anyway, that's the kind of, we still, we you sort of deal with this because if that person was able to just buy the program, that's also the sort of person that is going to get inconsistent results with it. It's going to expect, have, have misaligned expectations, might complain, might just ask for a refund five days in. Like it's not the right thing for them. Otherwise you make an appointment with someone, you show up to it generally unless some, an actual emergency has happened, which is why we allow one reschedule. Life does happen. The next thing is the plethora of, and this is a category of excuses of, I need to get X sorted first. So mm. sometimes it's, I need to get Christmas out of the way first, or I need to get this holiday sorted or whatever, which like, okay, that's fine for a time limited program. Obviously we offer lifetime support so it doesn't really make sense but i i get that but often the thing that needs to get sorted changes and rotates and is very nebulous and it's this kind of it, it's because we, we've all got a thing everyone in life always has a, a thing that's coming up and we need to like the, the next alligator at the boat or the next kind of tissue in the box but we seem to fail to remember that when you get that thing out of the way, your life isn't going to be totally sorted and your calendar's totally open and you're you're available to hit all of your life goals. The only goals that you end up actually hitting long-term are the ones that you do in spite of the thing that you have coming up. So <laughs> this idea of, I need to get a few things sorted first is total self-delusion. Yeah. And I suppose unless you're planning to set up a business that you never intend to run when there's, when Christmas is happening or like every time there's a holiday or, you know, if anything that's about to happen right now that is postponing starting it will almost certainly happen again while the business is active. So why not learn to deal with that? It's the same thing you would say to clients, right? It's probably the most common excuse PTs get, especially we're recording this 11th of November. So it's, right now between now and the end of december is full of look i just want to wait till the new year like really all that means is some arbitrary time in the future like the end, there's nothing special about the new year it's just a convenient time to change things but do you know you probably all know yourselves like the people who stay consistent with training throughout december they're really the people who are in shape by summer next year it's not well, the people who wait till january because the the fitness excuse really is is false too it's like Oh, well, because Christmas is coming up, i.e. what they really mean is because there's a three-day period where I'll be overeating turkey and cranberry sauce with my family, that that means for the next, the remaining seven weeks of the year, I, I can't do any 
anything, any steps towards my fitness goals. That's exactly mm. the same as I've had a slice of cake. So fuck it. I'll eat the whole thing. Yeah. I've got a very short period of hedonism with diet. Therefore I'm just going to delay the, the entire thing. Like we, we know that's not how fitness works. Like if, if life was a six week booty blaster, then great. But sadly, I think not. we'd all prefer it, wouldn't we? <laughs> Everybody would, everyone wishes life was a six week booty blaster, but you like the, your clients are going to be eating something between now and Christmas, like without question. So there'll be things they're eating and you're just looking to modify the, what they're eating and how much of it. So easy. So like, you're probably going to be doing something business wise between that, like you might be thinking about it in some way between now and the end of the year. Why think about it in an unproductive way? Like why think about it in ways that don't even help at all? Like you might as well think about it in a way of like, oh, I've got this program material. I'm working through these modules so that in January in magical land of January, I've convinced myself I can start. I'm five steps ahead. There's the classic like, oh, well, no one buys anything in December anyway. So now that it's November, there's no point even starting any market research or any launching any program or anything like, well, you might make some sales. There are, there are still people who, who like the, the entire fitness world doesn't, doesn't shut down at that time. So all you're doing yeah. is guaranteeing that you won't make any sales between now and then. And if you think that in January, you're going to, you get then going to start building the stuff for the new year's resolution crowd. Like you, you'll miss the boat. Yeah, it's gone. You have to have things ready and in place for January 1st, if that's what you're um, going after. I would say people for the January rush, people buy in December. I think it's a misconception that those people buy in January. They buy in the week between Christmas and New Year, when everyone's just sat on a sofa, feeling like they're holding more water than a bath. <laughs> and just, you know, this like salty Christmassy mess. And they're scrolling through their phone and they read an email that you sent them about the 14 day challenge that they opted into. And they're like, actually this, yeah, this looks great. Oh, and I can, the first day of training begins in January. Fantastic. I'll buy that. And the person who set that up, who put the work in when it was a bit, it would have been easier to delay until January, but they started in November. That's the person who makes the sales. The person who begins the program in January, who finishes it in March or finishes it in April. You've then just got some other arbitrary thing of like, oh, well, people are starting to like go away for summer holidays soon. I've missed the like summer transplant. Like there's always a reason why not. There's always a, an obstacle. So well, just the, start sooner. The 12 month year in the Western world is set up so that there is always some kind of holiday roughly every quarter yeah. to preserve society's sanity. You know, there's always, yeah. <laughs> there's always something. So, yeah. Yeah. So we've covered the lots of stories, lots of double bookings that I, I don't have control over my life and calendar and, and week syndrome. We've got the, I need to get a few vague things sorted in my life, sorted first syndrome. There's also the, I need to get experience first. There's the, oh, I'm feeling a bit of imposter syndrome because I've not got that much in-person experience and I want to start online coaching, but I think I should probably do a bit of, a bit more in-person coaching first before I can, <laughs> start this. And I honestly think that's the same as saying like, I've just qualified as a doctor. I want to start working in hospital, but I feel like I've not done enough shifts as a fireman just yet. So I need to go and put out some like fires and ride the, the Nino Nino and climb up, rescue some cats from some trees and stuff. And then I'll feel more equipped to work in the hospital as a doctor. It's a different skill. 
you're yeah. never gonna and what that is like when, when you know when, when i make the example ridiculous of course you, you're looking at that and you're thinking well that's just someone who's got fear of of putting themselves out there it's just a bit of imposter syndrome and they think that by avoiding doing the thing and staying busy doing some other thing that's not in line with their goals that that's somehow gonna one day give them the courage to to get started sadly mm-hmm. the only way to get the courage to do the thing is to do the thing I think the only time it's a legit excuse, which I don't think we ever see because they wouldn't have booked a call in the first place, is if you genuinely feel like you don't know enough to get someone a result, like a a person a result, then, and that's, you got to be very careful with that because everybody always assumes they need more knowledge when they don't. But the example I use all the time is like, if you were able to meet yourself five years ago and tell yourself what you knew now, and that was it. So there was no additional nutrition certifications, no extra qualifications, no extra in-gym PT experience. You could just tell you five years ago, the stuff you've learned about fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, habits, all those things, and compress that time into two years. What would you have paid back then? Like, what would you pay now to find out what you in five years time knows? Like probably as much as I could afford, I think I would pay because it's, that's just everything. Like that's just what, what life is, right? Figuring that stuff out over time. That's really where the value is. And as Yusuf says, like that's a skill that when it comes to online, it's different to making sure, you know, designing someone's session, counting their reps, putting the plates away, making sure someone's knees track over their toes. Those are different skills to let's look at your life in this holistic way. Let's look at your weeks, your months, your year. Let's plan everything out. Let's look at your nutrition and your sleep. That's just, that's online coaching. It's different. So the best way to learn it is get 10 online clients. One practical tip that uh, someone told me he's doing today, great idea to get over the imposter syndrome is let's say you start working with friends and family just to get your foot in the door and you're afraid of charging them money, but you want to do a dress rehearsal. Make them pay that money to a charity so that at least they've got skin in the game. It avoids the money awkwardness with friends and family, but it still validates that they are getting some value out of it. They're willing to part with that amount of cash. Yeah, that's a great idea. The, the, the other practical thing we do is the like the beta launch. So that's a way of handling it, right? So people worry about doing their first launch with an online program because people will be like, but I want to see testimonials. I want to see examples of clients and I haven't got any, so it won't work. But if you flip that and say, well, I'm building this thing for people like you, this is the first time I'm doing it. And I want people like you to help me make it as good as it can be. You guys can be the founding members of this and you get a discount. That's suddenly exciting. That's an opportunity. So it takes the pressure off you. They feel like they're getting a deal. They feel like they know they're going to be the first people. So it adjusts the expectations. And they're like, I'm going to help to get to make this better. So it's going to be crafted to me for the the only time ever. Like my questions are going to get answered. My needs are going to get dealt with. So that's taking like someone who does that approach versus the person who goes and works in pure gym for six months just so that they can do this. It's it's different. Obviously, if you've got hundreds of hours of gym floor experience, like that's hard to, you know, if you've got that, yeah, that's that's an advantage definitely. But to go and get the hundred hours before you start online coaching, is just an irrational way of viewing it. It's an inefficient way to, to get the skill that you're really looking for. Yeah. The third category of failure uniform is 
the storyteller. So this is someone who will book in a call with no intention of making any actual practical moves towards building an online fitness business. But what they want to do is validate to themselves, to prove to themselves that they are a big dick player. <laughs> and so there'll be loads of financial flexes and talk of how how they they ran a big business back in the day. It, you know what it is? It's the guy, it's the old guy in the gym who comes up to you and is like, oh, I, I, I used to do bench press with 200 kilograms and oh, I, I could do dips with 50 kgs back in the day and oh, you're, you know, but my knee and oh, my back and like there's something to prove and some story even past past achievement lots of talk of old accolades or qualifications and that kind of thing usually wrapped up in corporate speak as well mm. acronyms Acro oh yeah love an acronym what what's behind that it's knowing that when you're self-employed but you haven't got any clients that's another word for unemployed and so there's a need <laughs> and a desire to feel important and feel like, oh, well, but if I book in loads of business meetings and use the corporate speak and stuff, then I'm, you know, at least I, I look the mm. part. I think that the lesson from it is to try and catch yourself when you're, you like lose your humble outlook on things. So like if you've had businesses in the past, if you've had, um, experience in the past and success in the past and all those things you've written books appeared on tv appeared on like podcasts or whatever that's great but what we're talking about in this conversation i think we'll agree otherwise it wouldn't be this dynamic it's something you're new at and something we've had we've got a lot of experience with so greatest respect none of that stuff matters that much let's start fresh so i think the people often who who do that are wanting to elevate their status somehow like they're wanting to impress us and like it's it's not that impressive really in the in this world like the thing that's impressive is someone who dedicates years to figuring something out and builds a business that works for them no matter how big or small it is to us anyway so i think it's easy like it's easy to 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 fall into this trap right you get a lot of experience in something and you you start thinking i know better than other people and i'm not willing to learn if you find yourself doing that just try try and catch it and like bring yourself back to who could help me with this? Where could I go to get help with this? Do I trust Johnny and Yusuf to help me with this? If so, my other accolades don't matter for this. This is a brand new thing. This sounds facetious, but I, I mean this honestly. If what you're looking for is to inflate your ego, if the actual outcome you're looking for is to feel like a big dick player and to have lots of accolades and flexes and things, then that's, that's fine that's your prerogative. But as the ancient Chinese saying goes, like talk doesn't cook rice. That's one of my, uh, Chrome visualized value. Oh yeah. The, talk does not cook rice. So if you, if you're looking to get your clients, then you can, you can do all that, or you can chase Instagram followers and all that stuff and, and build up your ego. But that's, that's the game that you're playing, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You, you've got a big number on the, the Instagram following. You, you feel like a celebrity, but really we, what we help you with is get more clients, coach those clients, generate a recurring monthly robust income. 
not very sexy. I but, think ironically, the thing that you and I find most impressive is the people who are like egoless. Like, hey, I watched the webinar. I've listened to your podcast. I've like saved up. I'm in a position to like really start this and dedicate some time to it. I just have a couple of questions. Is that okay? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I'm not just saying that because like they're they're ready to buy something. I'm saying that because like their attitude to it is, I've like done a bit of research. I'm serious. I've put the call for a reason, and I have some questions about like what you guys do. It's not they're not there to tell me what they used to do, or like how successful they used to be. They've like they're holding their hands up and say like I don't know what to do. I'm looking for some help, and I'm serious about following something. Subject to some questions. Is that okay? Whether that's us or another mentor or another coach, like that person's going to do really well with whatever yeah. they pick to do. You, you don't have to try and impress us. Like we're not the people that you're looking to impress anyway. But who should you should be focusing that energy on the people who are going to buy from you yeah. and sign up with your program. Yep. The final category of the failure uniform is people who are building in private and working towards this big launch that never happens. And they, they put so much pressure on themselves. And we, we've done this before as well, where we mm. were in the corner of the internet, like quietly creating this, um, this program ready for the, the big launch day. And, and then when we launched it, I mean, well, multiple times <laughs> flopped and we're like, Oh no, what, what a public embarrassment. Oh, we're going to be, we're going to be shamed and put into the, the, the stocks and tomatoes thrown at us and stuff. But, no one, no one cares. Like the internet is so big that if you have this sense of self-importance and perfectionism and keep delaying things, you, that's, again, that's the only way to guarantee zero results. Mm. Well, on top of that as well, like it, let's say that no matter when you launch it, it's going to fail. For example, then the quickest way to fix that problem is to get to the fifth iteration as quickly as possible. It's like the, it's the Facebook move, move fast and break things, right? So hiding away, not telling anyone about it, iterating yourself, trying to make something perfect yourself, and then putting it to the market and hoping you've like guessed correctly, like that's going to fail whether you do it today, or whether you do it in six months time. So, cause your guess is probably wrong. Like most people guess emails, ads, images, podcasts work and they don't. So the, the best way to get to the best version of anything is like test it in the real world multiple times and iterate based on feedback multiple times. So you launching it today. Just, yeah. Do the rest. You know what, again, what would you say to a fitness client that was like, right, I want to, I want a big bench press, but I'm only going to go in the gym when I'm really feeling totally on it. I've had 12 hours of sleep. I've had my pre-workout and I'm, I'm going to take this one shot at testing my one rep max bench press at some point in the next year compared to the guy who just, who just goes in and just does five sets of five boring, uh, you know, linear progression for six months and then tests his max as a routine thing. Yeah. We, uh, what I was for some reason bursting to say that I don't know why it was just that we used to see this so much in. Uh, whenever we've coached clients for powerlifting meets, they would say things like, literally say things like, I'm only going to compete when I know I can come top three. It's like, well, the person who 
like the people who featured top three, do you not think like they've probably competed a few times, right? Like what, what's the average number of times someone who's <laughs> placed as top yeah. three has competed? Because <laughs> it assumes that competing itself isn't a skill. Like, and it is like you and I have both experienced like competing in a powerlifting competition is absolutely not the same as training in a gym on your own terms with your music on, on your own time. For a max. Yeah. Yeah. Like deadlifting in a computer room at 10 o'clock at night <laughs> after having not eaten properly all day and like mistimed your caffeine. Coming down off caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. What's the, what's that phenomenon called where rather than, rather than attempting something and visibly failing the kind of armchair expert thing where you're like, oh, well, if, if I just don't attempt no one, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to say something and remove all doubt. I mean, that sounds great. I've not heard that before, but yeah. So it's, it's that I, I won't compete in powerlifting until I hit top three, mm. because if I say that to myself, then internally I'm a top three powerlifter and I never have to prove right. that I'm, that I'm not by actually competing and embarrassing myself, but you just have to accept you will need to embarrass yourself multiple times and don't worry. No one cares. Like yeah. launch a product that flops and doesn't make any sales. You don't have to tell everyone that you made no sales. <laughs> and also yeah. people have forgotten about you because at most you're going to get a hundred thousand impressions. If you really plow the ads, that's going some as well. That's really, really going for it. A hundred thousand people across the world. No one's even going to recognize you from that. And you'll, you'll join like the long list of people who tried and failed to launch an online product. And there's a percentage of those people who you probably see on the internet every day doing really well because they just kept going. But the people who you never see on the internet doing really well are the people who never tried to launch anything <laughs> because they're scared about it not working. I think there's like, there is also just like a bigger picture here, which is all of these things. So whether you're canceling calls at the last minute, whether you're um, saying you need to sort stuff out first. I don't know this for sure, but I bet all of these people go and tell their friends, their family, their clients. So have you ever seen the film Collateral? Yeah. Yeah. Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise. So there's two like archetypes in that film. One of them is the assassin who's like just dosing the truth the whole time. Like you're full of shit. You're full of shit. The world doesn't care about you people just pass each other by and no one loves each other and all that sort of stuff. And then there's a the taxi driver who the whole time is buying into this narrative of like, I'm doing this. It's only temporary. Um, but I'm trying to like save up to get these Mercedes limos. And I'm going to, I'm running a limousine company. This is only temporary. And then he goes, well, how long have you been a, a taxi driver? And he's like, oh, 15 years. So it's like, he gets the excitement out of talking about being the limo driver and running the limo business. And he's been getting that excitement about it for 15 years. And I think all these things really what's happening is it's in the back of the mind. It's like, wouldn't it be great one day to have an online income, to not be attached to hours in the gym, to be able to travel and all these sorts of things. But as soon as I, as soon as that's not something I just talk about, as soon as it's something I'm actually trying to do, if it doesn't work, the fantasy has gone, then it's mm. real. Suddenly failure becomes a possibility because you've opened yourself up to it. Whereas if it's always just this distant idea that maybe you'll do in the future, yeah, then you're immune to failure and that feels very warm and safe. Yeah. It's like exciting because next week or in February, I'm going to talk to Yusuf again. And in February, we're going to, Yusuf's going to make it all okay. And we're going to sign up and, and start then. And in February, none of the things that are happening now will be the case. And 
I'll be able to make a success of it then. And in the meantime, I can sort of stay really excited about it. Cause what's, what's kind of less exciting and sometimes more scary is starting now. Then it's real mm-hmm. and you've got to make it work. But that's what mm-hmm. I kind of suspect is like the theme behind all these things. The real sign is, um, you know, of course there are people who we speak to and they say, oh, actually I'm going to be ready in four months time. But the, the biggest indicator of whether that person is going to be successful is when you speak to them in four months time, it's like, Hey, what have you done in the last four months? Oh, well, yeah. I've built this. I've yeah. tested my challenge. I've validated my niche. I've tested a product. I've been working with a few people. Brilliant. Like that person of course is going to be successful because they're still making moves and the, the, they, they haven't gone, oh, well, because I'm just going to delay all of my life goals until February, I'm just going to sit on my thumb until then. Mm. And actually what that person's like really saying is I think I can do it on my own. And some people can like, really, it's just, what is the thing Alex Hormozzi says? Like you either pay for, you pay for the program either in time or money. Is that right? Yeah. So like they're saying whatever the fee it was that the fee that Yusuf quoted me or Johnny quoted me on the phone. I'd rather pay that in hours or months and years to figure that out. And if that's what, what someone wants to do, we, like, we can't stop you. I think it's, a, honestly, I think it's a stupid decision, but we can't stop you, obviously. Um, but yeah, the, it's it's so often the people who say February, you get in touch in February, and like, oh yeah, well, and then another story comes. And again, it's it's holding on to the dream. It's holding on to the, if I never make this real, if it never becomes what I'm actually doing now, then the, the dream's exciting. So go watch the film Collateral. Look at Jamie Foxx's character. Don't do that. Whatever you do.